Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I just want to thank Katie so much. Um, A lot of the songs that we were singing um, really speak to what um, God was showing me uh, through his word whenever I was studying it. Um, Just God's love for us and how deep he loves us, even though he sees the deepest parts of our hearts, he still loves us. Um, And hopefully tonight we have a desire to be holy, to be closer to him, to become more like his son Jesus and to move closer to him. So um, with that being said, um, I'll just pray. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you so much for your love for each one of us, Lord. Father, thank you that you've brought us here tonight, Lord. And Father, I just pray as we uh, study your word and we think about what you say here um, in Exodus chapter 34, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us, Lord, and draw us closer to your heart um, and to your son, Jesus. And uh, may we be uh, more like him uh, as we uh, spend time with him and spend time with you tonight. Just pray these things in your name. Amen. So I was talking to someone today and they were asking me if we were still in Exodus. Um, Some of you, um, maybe you haven't been here for a while. I see a few people who are here maybe visiting and see Kenny and it's good to see Kenny. Um, We're in Exodus, we're still in Exodus, um, which is a great thing. I kind of feel like it's a really long series or series of series. So I think we're in series three. There was kind of series one, which took us to a cliffhanger edge where Pharaoh was going in on, on his people, and that was the end, end of the first series. The first series, God heard the cries of his people. Um, he took Pharaoh, um, very, very patient with Pharaoh, um, and defeated all the gods of Egypt to show that he was the great one, he was the number one. And then Pharaoh's heart got hardened. Um, Pharaoh's heart slowly time after time and time after time. He could have gone, God is greater than these gods, that God's smacking down each time. But he didn't. He got harder and harder. His his heart got harder. And God, in the end, just said, okay, have it your way. And he gave Pharaoh what he wanted and hardened Pharaoh's heart against him, against God, and against also his people. Um, So he came after him. Big climax, Red Sea, trapped. You're waiting for the next series to come. And then all of a sudden, next series comes and God provides a way for his people. Um, he rescues his people from not just slavery, but also from death and takes them over to the other side. And then the journey goes, and series two is maybe the journey. They're all journeying with God through the desert and God's providing for his people here. The people are still a bit grumbly and you know they, they complain about a lot of stuff, um, but God's really patient with them. Uh, and really compassionate on them and provides what they need and get them, they're, they're journeying through through to the mountain where they're, they're finally going to, God's going to do something special on the mountain and God uh, reveals to him his covenant, um, which is kind of like a, 
a relationship. There's quite a few people in the church who are going to get married soon or who are engaged. And a covenant is kind of a covenant relationship. It's not just about laws, it's about relationship. So he gets them to the mountain, gives them some instructions about how a relationship with him should look like. And then we get to the point at the end of season two where the people go crazy. They, Moses is up on the mountain spending time with God and Moses is taking a wee bit too long. Uh, maybe I'm doing too long on this intro, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, he, he's up there too long and then the people are having a party, decide to go to Aaron and say, look, he's taking a long time, don't know where he is. Um, we've kind of forgotten about series one, series two, and now, yeah, make us a cow, we'll worship anything, you know, we're easy. So he does that. God sees this. God talks to Moses about it. Moses hears God's heart um, of how he feels like he's been betrayed by his people, um, but yet is still willing to love these people and go on with them. And that's what we heard last week with um, Jordan. So uh, it's important that we know that this is a big story. This is a big story of redemption. And it's a big story about God's love for his people and rescuing them time and time again, regardless of what shape they're in. He's always pursuing them. He's always going after them. He's always loving them. So uh, we're in chapter 34. And I just, uh, so we had um, chapter 31 where we got the Ten Commandments and uh, Tyler was sharing about that, and God wrote them in his own handwriting. He, he heard that much that he went, okay, he did that. He, he did it in his own handwriting. It wasn't really a jackhammer. And then 32, Kevin was sharing about the people and the golden calf and them, like, total debauchery. It was, it was nuts. It was, like, um, maybe some of the nights in my old life, like, really bad. Um, before Jesus saved me. So really crazy, but that happened. And then last week, uh, Jordan was sharing about Moses not wanting to go on if God wasn't going to go with him. Because God said, look, okay, I'm going to send my angel with you. Um, And Moses was saying, look, we want you to go with us. We're not going anywhere unless you're going with us. So something Jordan also drew out last week was that in chapter 32, um, they kept on mistaking God and Moses. They sort of were saying Moses was doing all these things, but in all reality, it was God. Um, So in chapter 32, uh, verse 1, I think, uh, Now when the people saw Moses delay coming down the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us God a God who will go before us as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of Egypt. Moses didn't bring them out of Egypt. God did. Um, We do not know what's become of him. So they're beginning to know, take their eyes off God and, you know, onto other things, Moses, false cows, all sorts of stuff. They weren't keeping their eyes on God. Chapter 33 Then the Lord said to Moses, 
depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out up out of Egypt to the land sworn to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, say to the descendants, or, uh, to your descendants, I will give it. So here the Lord's uh, spoke to Moses, um, and he's also saying that the people have said that you're bringing them out, which isn't true. And then in chapter 29, verse 44, I will uh, consecrate a tent of meeting and an altar, and I will also concentrate, uh, consecrate, yes, Uh, consecrate Aaron and his sons for ministry as priests to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. They shall be known that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And that's the point I want to make, that it's the Lord God who brought them out of Egypt. It's not, not, not Moses. They got their eyes off God and what God was actually doing. And sometimes, <coughs> whenever I'm reading the Bible, you know, sometimes I write myself into this story and I kind of take on uh, the persona of maybe some of the heroes in the Bible, um, which is not the best thing to do because, you know, whenever we read about the heroes of the Bible, we kind of think about their good aspects and we forget about their bad aspects. So um, we kind of like to do that. And this chapter here, um, we see real humility from Moses at, at a stage whenever God introduces himself to you. Oh, to him. <coughs> so, verse, verse 1, chapter 34. Now the Lord said to Moses, Cut out yourself two stone tablets like the ones form, formal, like the formal, former ones, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets <coughs> which you shattered. Now, Moses knew that he had shattered them, um, but God here at the end of this verse is just doing a little bit of reminding. Um, they're the ones that you shattered. Sometimes I've been in a position where uh, Jade reminds me, uh, Jade's my wife, uh, she, my wife reminds me of some of the things that <coughs> I've done. Um, that I, um, you know, like I get upset about something or, you know, and God's reminding Moses um, of something that he did in his, his anger and frustration with the people he was uh, away from and they were going crazy. So I think that's important going on because we'll, we'll see later on anyway. Um, so in verse 2, So be ready by morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on top of the morning, uh, on top of the mountain in the morning. So Moses is to (coughs) carve out these two stone tablets, head up the mountain and present himself to God. It sounds a little bit like he's being called into... <clears throat> the headmaster's office 
or maybe in to see the boss to present himself there with his homework, um, those stone tablets again. So he's going to do that. So uh, God gives him one more bit of instruction in verse 3. No man is to come up with you, nor let any man be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds are not to graze on the mountain. And this just reminds us that God's holy. And there's, he's, he's separate. He's totally other. Um, holy can be defined as other. Um, not the same as us. It's beyond us. Uh, perfect. And we're not perfect, so totally different from us. Um, so God's holy and wants Moses to go up and he wants the people to stay back from the mountain. So Moses cut the two stone tablets like the former ones, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as God had commanded him. And he took the two stone tablets in his hands. <coughs> so here we have Moses with his homework, his two stone tablets that he probably went to bed quite late, um, carving those things out, um, went to bed, got up early in the morning, is heading up the mountain, obedient, doing what God's asked him to do. Um, great. That's good. It's good to do what God asks us to do. <clears throat> and sometimes God is really straightforward and asks us to do things as simply as the way he asks Moses to do things. So it's good to be obedient and uh, to listen to God. Uh, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. So Moses was calling <coughs> on, on, on the Lord, on, on Yahweh, and Yahweh came to him on the mountain. And the Lord passed by in front of him, proclaiming. And this is really, this is the first time in the Bible the Lord reveals and says a description about himself <laughs> and uh, it, it's more than just a phone call the Lord, was, the Lord was there walking beside Moses it wasn't distance or anything he was there right beside him and uh, he, he says this and don't miss this the Lord, the Lord compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for this the thousands, who gives, forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sins, yet he will not by no means leave the guilt unpunished, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So here we have God and Moses, and God is again revealing more about himself. He's saying that he's compassionate, that he's uh, a peacemaker, that he wants to resolve the relationships that they have. Uh, he's gracious. He gives without receiving. God has continually given to these people and is giving to Moses as well. He's slow to anger. He's patient and he's self-controlled. He really loves these people 
and his love is really different from our love. Which, so God is presenting himself really different as the hero in the story. Um, bounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness to thousands um, and forgives iniquities and transgressions and sins. This is God who, who loves and forgives and is always willing to forgive. These qualities kind of remind me of the qualities in the fruit of the Spirit. These are all qualities that God gives to each one of us through his Holy Spirit that lives in us. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can all live out these characteristics that God puts in our hearts if our hearts are soft to him. God forgives um, God really forgive me uh, I really don't deserve to be here whenever God looks deep into my heart you know there's there's things that he's still working on there's things that I need to repent of that I do repent of I get down on my knees and in the next verse um, we see that's what Moses does whenever confronted by this gracious and holy just God, Moses falls on his knees. In verse 8, Moses made haste to bow low to the earth and worship. Moses, when confronted with this loving, gracious, perfect God, sees his own heart. God had reminded him the day before about his little t temper tantrum where he smashed the stone tablets where he was angry, where he didn't act properly representing God. And that's again what happened whenever Moses doesn't get to get into the promised land. He acts in a way that God doesn't represent God. So Moses is reminded of them of that. And then Moses' reaction is to, to bend the knee, um, to get down on his knees, to, Lord, uh, so he, he, he bends his, towards the earth and he worships. He says, if now I have found favor in your sights, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go along in our midst. Even though the people are obstinate and pardon our iniquities, he's including himself. He needs forgiveness too. Pardon our iniquities and our sins and take us as your possession. Moses hits the floor and is asking God to forgive him. Um, we were reading on Sunday um, in Luke's Gospel, the same thing happened to Peter. Peter, whenever confronted with the miracle that Jesus did, he fell on his knees in the boat and he, he asked God for, you know, he said, look, I'm, I'm a sinner. Paul, uh, in First Timothy, uh, Chapter 1, verse 15 says, uh, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, who am the worst. Paul's saying that he's a sinner, like the rest of us, and he did really bad things. And if God can manage to save him, can forgive his sins, 
uh, then he can forgive anybody's sins. Jesus as well, whenever he was teaching his disciples to pray, in, in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel, in verse 11, it says, Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's important to come to God whenever we see we've done something wrong and ask him for forgiveness. And, and that's so important. Moses then is able to go on and ask for God's presence, to ask for more of God. Whenever you come to God and you become less, you can ask him to be more. Whenever you empty yourself, you can ask him to fill you. Uh, with his Holy Spirit and with his power. And we need to do that every day. Whenever Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray that, um, the custom was that people would pray two or three, four times a day. And this was uh, part of the prayer, part of the model that Jesus was wanting people to pray. I, you know, in Mudman, I don't know how often I have to pray for forgiveness whenever... Uh, you know, things are getting on top of me and I'm a bit snappy, asking for stuff, you know, being impatient. Patience, not a good thing. It's a sin. Need to ask for help. Um, kids, driving me a bit crazy. Whenever I go home, I'm tired. I need patience. I need to ask for patience. Uh, all, you know, that's just one thing. There's other things that we need to ask God for forgiveness for. You know, talking about someone um, who's wound us up a wee bit, you know, it's just a wee bit of talking here, a wee bit of, you know, that that girl or that guy in work, they did this again. <gasps> they, uh, you know, we don't need it. We need to repent. We need to treat people kindly and generously the way God treats us. We need to keep asking God. We keep need to go into him and asking him for forgiveness. Um, and for his help. Because we need to remember the Lord, the Lord, he's God, he's Yahweh. He's compassionate and gracious with us. He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness to thousands. Uh, and he forgives iniquities, trespasses, and our sins, and we need to do the same for other people. We need to be willing to forgive other people as well, because it's a sin not to forgive other people. If we've received so much grace that Jesus gave us, that we can have relationship with him, that we can have presence with him, and that we can have glory in heaven, and have eternity with him, and we can't even forgive someone for jipping us a little bit or um, us feeling hard done by, by somebody. You know, we need to be willing to forgive because we have a mass of forgiveness on our shoulders, so we need to be willing to forgive others. Jesus tells this story, and this is a really weaker story. You'll love this story. If you love the gospel, you'll love this story. Um, so Jesus... There's a crowd of people around him, and um, some of them are, you know, the Pharisees and, and people who think they're dead good. Um, 
who don't see that they have a problem and that they need Jesus, that they need God. Um, but anyway, he tells this parable in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Uh, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven and beat his breast. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you the truth. This man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and the humble themselves will be exalted. The story Jesus is telling here, it makes a wonderful point. And the point is that we can come to him and we can ask for forgiveness. We can come to God and ask for forgiveness. We don't have to earn it. Sometimes we maybe think that we do have to earn it, that we want to actually be like the first guy praying. Thank you that I work really hard and I'm very religious. You know, that's the, the, you know, I I do all the right things and I'm really, really great. Um, I have all the right clothes and I do all the right things at church and I even give to the church. And quite a lot of the time in church, um, there may be the easier people to, you know, you know, there's no drama with them. Um, there may be good workers. Um, they do lots of really good things. Um, but Jesus is saying that isn't <coughs> what God is looking for. God is looking for a contrite heart. He's looking for people who have a soft heart, who want and to know him and see him um, and want to have his mercy, mercy and have relationship with him. <coughs> Maturity comes from looking at Jesus, not looking at ourselves and not being self-righteous. We have no righteousness apart from Jesus. Maturity comes from looking at Jesus, not religion. Maturity comes from looking at Jesus and not man and not comparing ourselves to the people around us because it's easy to do that. It's easy to stand up and find people who maybe aren't doing things quite as well as you are and you're able to say, well, look at Jimmy over there. He's a, he's a bit of a sketch. He, he's, he's not doing so well, is he? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, no, we need Jesus and we need not to compare ourselves with other people. (coughs) It's important not to miss out on what God has for us and hopefully we'll get there. Um, Verse 10. Now God said, uh, Behold, 
I am going to make a covenant before your people. I will perform miracles which have been not produced in all the earth, nor <coughs> among any of the nations. And all the people among whom you live will see the work of the Lord, for it is a fearful thing that I am going to do perform with you. Be sure to observe all what I command this you this day. Behold, I am going to drive out the Amorites before you, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Watch yourself that you make no covenant with these inhabitants of the land into which you are going, or you will become a snare in your midst. But rather, you are to tear down their altars and to smash their sacred pillars and cut down their ashram. God's not just giving them a bunch of commands here. Um, he wants to have a relationship with them, and these are ways that they can have a relationship with them by not having relationships with these foreign gods and these people who will lead them astray. Um, they're not to be conformed or assimilated into the world and the culture around them. They're to be different. They're to be God's community. They're to be God's people. They're to be set apart. They're to have a covenant with him. The guys who are going to get married in church, they're setting themselves apart to be with one another. And that's what God wants for his people. He wants us to be set apart for him. He wants us to dwell with him. He wants us to have that deep relationship that intimacy that comes from being set aside, not by running after other things or other people or other things that we think will make us happy, which in all reality won't, but will drive us slowly, slowly away from God. But God is patient with us and God will always pursue us and always will want to take us back. But we can quite easily just slowly, 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 you know, drift off into the world um, just it just takes a little bit and you can be off a mile it just takes a bit of distance um, so we're not to be conformed to the culture around us we're to be different we're to be um, something different we're to be have a culture of love a culture that God wants so God gives them all those things that they're not to do they're not to make covenants with other people so that's kind of can be seen like uh, rules, but not. we don't want to miss the rules for the loving relationship that he wants to have. The law is love. The law is loving relationship with him, like those marriage relationships that we see um, these couples entering into. That's the type of relationship that those rules. And then he gives some positives for their relationship. <coughs> For you are not to worship any other God, for the Lord, whose who name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He doesn't want us to have, you know, the guys who are getting married, they don't want their husband or their wife 
to go off with somebody else. They'd be dead jealous. It'd be wrong for them to go off and, you know, isn't that right? Yes. They'd they'd go after them. They'd pursue them and they'd go after the the people who they love. Um, And they'd want them to be separate from those bad influences or those other people. Um, So God is jealous. Um, He's jealous for our hearts. He loves each one of us and has sent his son to buy us back out of slavery. His son was willing to love us so much that Jesus died for us. And that's how much he loves us. And his heart breaks. That's what the jealousy is. It's God's heart breaking for those he loves. Um, So in verse 18 um, uh, did I miss any um, nope verse 15 otherwise you might make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they would play the harlot with their gods and sacrifice their gods and someone might invite you to eat his sacrifice and you might uh, take some of their daughters and your sons and his daughters might play the harlot with their gods cause your sons also to play the harlot with their gods you shall make yourself no molten gods God wants them for himself. He doesn't want them to go after any other gods. He doesn't want them to mix with those who are going to draw them away from him. C.S. Lewis says um, that the Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like ignorant children who want far off uh, too easily pleased God knows what our hearts are like he knows that we can be half-hearted that we can be drawn away so he's encouraging his people not to be half-hearted not to go after these other gods and then in verse 18 uh, to 26 he now starts talking about some of the things he wants to set up so that they can have a relationship with him that they can have a positive relationship there's those do nots um, and the rest of the covenant relationship there's positive things that he wants them to do he wants to spend time with them Um, and this is how he wants that culture how he wants them to express their love. Uh, Verse 18, you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread as I commanded. At that appointed time in the month of Ibid, for in the month of Ibid you came out of Egypt. He wants them to celebrate the great rescue that he's done for them. He wants them to remember what Jesus has done and we have opportunities to remember what God has done for us 
in church, we meet together. We meet around uh, a table and celebrate a feast that Jesus has put in place for us to do this in remembrance of him. We can remember the love that Jesus has for us that was poured out for us. And God wants us to have these key things to remember him and his love so that we don't get distracted. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me and all your male livestock and first offspring from the cattle and the sheep. <coughs> you shall redeem with a lamb the first offspring from a donkey and if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. You shall redeem the firstborn of your sons. None shall appear before me empty-handed. God has given them everything. All, the, all, all the, their sons and all their animals and everything, God had rescued them. Back in Egypt, the Passover lamb, God gave his son, his firstborn, his only son, uh, so that we could have life. And again, he wants us to give him our first, um, our best. You shall work six days, but on the seventh you shall rest. Even, your ploy, even during your plowing time and your harvest, you shall rest. God wants to spend time with these people. He wants them to set aside time every day with him, but also special times once a week, one day a week. He wants to spend time with them, different from every other day, something special like a date date night or something like that he wants this relationship to be special and he wants them to remember um, his love for them his love for us you shall celebrate feast of weeks that is the first fruit of your wheat harvest and the feast of in gathering at the time of the year three times a year all your meals are to appear before the Lord, the God of Israel. For I will drive out before you and enlarge your borders. No man shall covet your land when you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. God wants to give us to give to him time, daily, weekly, and in seasons as well. Um, a lot of you a lot of people here have gone through the Ignite program. That's a really big season that you're able to set aside for the Lord. It's like one of these big festivals where they're able to draw close to God for an extended period of time. Um, people have the opportunity each day to set aside a little bit of time and then once a week set aside more time and then there's also times in your life when you'll be able to set aside more time, whether it's a mission trip or a month here or a month there. God will provide in those times that you set aside for him. You won't go short. In my own walk with Jesus um, for seven or eight years in the summers, Jade and I were going to the Czech Republic and to Croatia 
to share the gospel. It was a really special time once a year for us. It wasn't about just the once a year. We were doing the week thing, the day thing. We were spending time with Jesus. But there were these times that we were able to go for an extended period of time and worship God and serve him in really special ways. Uh, and there's opportunities to do that um, in the church and, and through um, programs like what Pottersfield has. There, there's medical mission trips and there's different opportunities where we can set aside extended periods of time um, to draw close to God over, you know, On Sunday after the wedding, Connor and Jess will be setting aside some real special time on their honeymoon. God wants us to have real special times with him. They only do it once, but it's important for them going forward in their relationship to spend quality time together for extended periods of time. And it's the same with God that we can do that. Um, we don't want to jip God. Um, So, uh, you shall you shall not offer blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover to be left until morning. You shall bring the very first of the first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God and you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk um, God doesn't want them he wants them to do things properly the way that he's set them up he doesn't want them just to kind of almost do them right but he wants them to do it right um, Whenever it talks about the goat and the milk, that just seems like a really weird, weird, weird recipe to me. But it was something that um, some of the nations around them were doing. They were doing weird sacrifices, weird, uh, you know, mixing a little bit of this into, you know. Um, God wants us to follow his word and what he says in here. He doesn't want us to mix some, some other sort of funky spirituality things in with it. This, you know, he's given us the complete, the complete thing here. We don't need to go and add to it because it seems cool. Nice recipe. A mudman, talking about mudman again. It's where I spend most of my life. No, it is. It's a good thing. Um, but we have recipes. We have recipes for the buns. I've got no idea how to make the buns, so I shall, shall not talk about that. Um, there's some people who are very good at that. Um, but they stick to the recipe. They do. It's the same. God wants us to stick to what he's set aside for us in his word. Um, I'm not going to talk about boiling meat and about the salt and stuff. No, not going there. So God wants us to be wholehearted. And part of the way that we can be wholehearted and not half-hearted is to repent, you know, to come to him like Moses did in the start of the chapter and repent um, and ask him for help whenever we're not doing things the way he set them out to be. 
we can come to him because he's compassionate and he's gracious and he really, really loves us. Um, and we're going to get on to the next really exciting part of this chapter. Then the Lord said to Moses, write these words for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not going to be up here 40 days and 40 nights, so um, that's going to be good. I see some people are excited about that. Um, but Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he didn't eat or drink. He didn't eat bread or drink water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses was with God, with the word, getting the word, God sustained him. God kept him going. God's love sustained him while he was on the mountain. God's words that he was writing down, that he was penning, sustained him and kept him going while he was with God in God's presence. And there's times in our lives whenever things are, are difficult and hard. And it's true that God's word and God's love sustains us through those hard times. Whenever we enter into God's presence and whenever we're reading his word, it sustains us. It brings light into the darkness. And everybody got to see that. Um, whenever Moses came down the mountain, they got to see that God was sustaining him, that he was different after he had spent time with the word, with the Lord on the mountain. So in verse 29, it came about when Moses came down the mountain and the two tablets of the Testaments were in Moses' hands as he came down the mountain. I'm sure he was very careful not to drop them this time. He had them in his hands. He didn't want to go back up the mountain. He was being very careful. He had them in his hands. They were important to him. He was holding on to them. Um, Moses did not know that the skin on his face shone because of his speech with him. So Moses' skin was... It was like um, maybe a bluebird day up on Big Mountain. You forgot to put your sunscreen on. No, it wasn't like that. It was totally different from that. But, it, you know, there was something going on that people could see that he was radiant, he was shiny. My head, I cut my hair. I thought I could maybe get Tyler to shine the light on it just the right way, and I could maybe glow a little bit, but no, okay. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on. Um, no, um, so... Moses, you could tell he had been with God. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called them over, come over, lads, come, come. And Aaron and the rulers and the congregation returned to him. And Moses spoke to them. After all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil 
over his face. So he talked to them with a the really shiny face, but then whenever they left, he put the veil on. Um, yeah. So, but whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil un until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see his... The sons of Israel would, would see the face of Moses, that the skin on his face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak to him. So here we can see that Moses spending time with God, it was changing him. And the change was kind of skin deep because it was only his face was shiny. Um, but spending time with the Lord changes us um, and it can bring light to us and it can really help us. There was a time in my life before my daughter Hannah was born and my daughter's going to be uh, seven years old at, at the end of the month. Um, but before that, I, I suffered a spell of um, darkness and depression. Um, things had been going pretty hard at work. Um, my father had had a heart attack, and um, I was busy in work, and it was whenever the crash, so there was financial issues and different things going on, but it was a really hard time. Uh, and one day I was at uh, a meeting, uh, it was a, like, it was a planning appeal for a big plot of land, and there were barristers and lawyers there. And uh, I was with my planning consultant and myself, and we were about to represent our client. But just the stress of that, um, I went home, went, didn't skip my lunch because I was busy working really hard and presenting our case for this bit of land that our, la our client wanted included into the area plan because it would up the value of his land. Um, and the area plans only come out every 10 years, so this was the big opportunity. So it was a big deal. Um, but I went home after, or went back to work after the meeting, but I couldn't even focus on the computer screen. I couldn't see the, you know, I was like trying to draw on the computer screen, couldn't, and my boss ended up taking me to hospital, or taking me to the doctors, to the urgent care, um, and I sat down with the doctors, and that was kind of the really low po point for me, um, where, you know, I was anxious, and I was concerned, and there was something really missing. I wasn't spending enough time with God. I was going to church. I was leading this small group. I was doing religious things, but I wasn't truly pressing in and having a relationship, a deep relationship with the Lord. So I, I knew something was wrong. So whenever you know there's something wrong, it's good to do something about it. Um, so I put a big calendar up on the wall and I marked each day whenever I was spending time with the Lord. I decided that I was going to read through the whole Bible and I read through the whole Bible in the next six months. I put on the calendar whenever I was meeting with friends and you know these were good relationships and we prayed together and had good fellowship. Marked each time each week whenever I was spending time with them. I marked on the calendar each time I was spending time with the Lord. I really wanted to have 
a deep relationship with the Lord. I really needed his help. I really needed him to shine into my life and into the darkness. And he did that. After six months, I came off the antidepressants that I was on, and God really helped me. Um, But it took time, and it took him to speak to me, and it took that urgent time. There's something wrong for me to do something about it. But God doesn't want us to get that far down the line. He wants us, you know, he sets out these covenants and these things in our life so that we can avoid what happened to me. So spending time with God can bring light into the darkness that we have each day and each week and each month. And we don't have to be consumed by the darkness because we can spend time in his word and in his presence and in his love. Um, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 also talks about Moses' experience. And uh, I'm going to read it. Um, But read it whenever you go home as well. Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth and he's telling them that God isn't just writing on stone, he's writing on people's hearts, um, that it's deeper than skin deep, it's their hearts that he's writing on, it's our hearts that he's writing on, it's inside out, it's what comes from deep inside us that eventually comes out of us that really matters and that God is interested in the inside out. He's not interested in just the actions because we can all be preset, programmed to do the right things, but our hearts aren't in it. He wants our hearts to be in it. So um, bear with me because, um, yeah, I'm not very good at reading. Um, you are our letter written on, okay, so um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. And if you want, you can follow along, but it's cool. I'm going to read it. Um, you are our letters written on your hearts, known and read by all men. Be manifested that you are letters of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, Such confidence we have through Christ together towards God, not that we are adequate in and of ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stone came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently on the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, how much more does the glory of righteousness abound in glory? For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. 
For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness of speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away, but their minds were hardened for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil is over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, repents, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the Lord the Spirit. Here Paul is talking about the glory that we have. It's not like the glory that Moses had. It's much deeper than that. It's written in our hearts. God has done something in our hearts. God has given us new hearts, it says, and he's sealed our hearts with the Holy Spirit. And our hearts can grow hard, but we can repent and we can turn to him and have them softened. And then we can be filled and just as radiant as the first day whenever we remember that he rescued us from sin each day, we can have the same spirit filling us to the brim and it's not just for us I was sharing a story about me how I was able to spend time with the Lord and how he was able to light and fill my heart but it's for other people to see as well this radiance that God wants to show in Jesus in our lives isn't just for us it isn't just for us to sit in our rooms and in our closets you know Um, It's not like a private tanning booth where we go in and we're just getting our own tan on. It's something for everybody to see in our hearts and in our lives. It's something to be ignited and shown out to the whole world. And we don't want to be conformed or compressed or oppressed by the culture around us. We want to be different. I was talking to a friend recently um, who's a Christian, who's had a lot of the same experiences as you guys. Um, But he's he's going back and he's going to be working. But he he was concerned. I was telling him, look, you're going to have a great opportunity. You're going to be working alongside other people. You're going to be able to you know, shine for Jesus. You're going to be able to share Jesus' love with them. You're going to be able to, you know, really reach out to them. And he, he was like, but um, it might affect my ratings. Uh, I mightn't get rated so highly if I do that. Um, you know, we shouldn't worry about, there's no law against loving other people. We shouldn't be worried 
about what other people think or what ratings we get because we're showing love to people. Today I was working and uh, somebody drove up to the drive-through um, at our restaurant and I could have been fearful, but the person had shared with, with um, one of the cashiers that they were having a really hard day, um, that their truck had broken down, they had borrowed their friend's truck, their friend's truck um, had broken down, they owed their friend $500 to get their truck fixed, but those things were small fry. The person said that the, their wife had told them that they wanted to divorce them. And I could have been concerned that I was going to go over and share Jesus' love with them to say that, you know, we'll be praying for you today, that we love you and we care because maybe we'll get a bad reading. Maybe someone, but he thanked me. He knew that we were there, that we loved on them. And that's, that's why we're there. And that's why we work each day, wherever we are, so that we can show God's love to people. And be little Jesuses. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord and the Spirit. We're being transformed. And we're being transformed by his love. His love is compassionate. It's gracious. It's slow to anger. It's abounding in loving kindness and truth. It keeps loving for thousands and give, forgives iniquities and transgressions and sin. That's our God. That's who he wants us to be like. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to have the fruit of the spirit. He wants us to love. He wants us to have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants us to have relationships with him. He wants us to have covenant relationship with him, a really deep relationship with him. That's why he's set a standard for us. That's why he's given us his word to have a deep relationship with him. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Selah Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.